episode number 38 of the ASN podcast. I'm not going to lie, Dan. I had to look back because it's been so long. I'm usually good at keeping track of of what episode we're up to. I had no idea. I was going to say 52. I'm not even going to lie. And I was just way off. But the the most important thing is we are back. This is our sporadic random episode that gets us back into it for three weeks and then we're gone for another month. But <laughs> that's just how it works. But um, good to be back, Dan. What's going on, man? It's good to be back. It's been, uh, you know, busy times, a lot of moving around, but yep. I'm excited for both of us. I'm excited that we are, that we're finally getting to the episode. Yeah. If you, if you had asked me what number this was, I probably would have given you like 39 or something. Oh, I knew we weren't at 40. It would have been a lot closer than me. It would have been a lot closer, but I probably wouldn't have landed on 38, maybe 37. Uh, but um, but I, mean, I, I will say though, we, we did talk about it a little bit before we started recording that this was kind of like the perfect time to kind of have a weird like three to four week period where we couldn't record because, you know, once the NBA finals were over, once the NHL finals are over and really, I mean, let's, let's face it from our audience, it's really, people really care more about the NBA finals and the NHL finals, but you know, it, it, there wasn't really much to talk about. You know, baseball is in that awkward state where we kind of sort of know who their contenders and pretenders are, but not really yet. So it was nice to give it like an extra three or four weeks. Now we definitely know at least some teams, or at least there's a lot of exciting teams, and that's what I'm really excited for. I mean, someone even told me, someone even said, I think it was, believe it or not, it was under the the post that you made last night, I believe, about Yuri Perez. Um being what 20 years old and having like a 1.270 RA yeah. or something so far this year or something crazy like that. And someone even said that the the rookies this year have just been I'm off the chart. I mean, you look at Ellie De La Cruz, who's been electric, you know, like Yuri Perez, Corbin Carroll, uh, Matt McLean, you know, there's just been so many good rookies. I'm sure I'm even leaving out a few, even Josh Young on the other side in the American league. There's been, a ton of great guys and, and it's it's an exciting time for baseball. It's nice to see these uh these fresh stars, but I feel I feel like we're always forgetting about O'Neill Cruz, who when he comes back, I'm sure he'll be electric as well. Like, isn't it I guess we could just jump into the whole Reds talk because we're talking yeah. about De La Cruz, but isn't it funny how like this is shockingly similar to O'Neill Cruz last year? It was like this big, lanky shortstop that could hit the ball 210 miles per hour. That runs like the wind, just makes highlight play after highlight play, and it, it's funny how it's just like a, a perfect like year from each other. Yeah, they're they're so similar, and you know you're not really used to shortstops being so big like that, and and yeah. so for two of them to come up that have very similar profiles, back to back years is is kind and of the amazing. last name, and, the, and they're basically the same last name, and, and they play in the same division, and they've got the same uh, you know 114 mile an hour exit velocity every time they hit the ball. Um, you know, and, and they're going to go through some of the same issues too. I think, you know, Ellie De La Cruz is going to strike out a little bit. Yeah. That's, I mean, that happens really to any, what is he? 21 years old, basically any 21 year old. Um, but he's got better plate this one. I mean, he, he is walking a bit. And I guess if you're a pitcher, you know, why wouldn't you walk Ellie De La Cruz with the way he's been hitting pitch around him a little bit. Um, but no, the, the way that he's playing. As a, I, I, I hope he's twenty. I hope I'm getting that right. As a twenty-one-year-old, I'm going to look at it because I was curious of that too. Yeah, but we, but we were talking before, and you know, it's it's about what the Reds have going on is about so much more 21. than just Ellie. 
And there's actually a lot more on the way. You know, it's funny. So, so we touched on it a little bit. We talked a little bit, I think, in the last episode, which we know was a while back. Um, and <laughs> I don't, dust that one off. I don't think I went as far as to say, like, the Reds are going to win the NL Central. But uh, I did tell somebody the day after we put, put that up, because I know it was like June 1st, uh, that you heard it here first. The Reds might win the NL Central. Uh, and ever, ever since then, they've proven me right by going on the streak. And I knew they were going to call up Ellie pretty soon. But, um, you know, Matt McClain is somebody who I think a lot of people don't know yet. And he's hitting like 325. He, uh, yeah, he's yes, been sensational. Yeah, we're recording this Monday night. So yesterday, Sunday, he went, uh, I think, four for five with every all four hits for extra base hits. It was three doubles and a home run. And he he's been up for like I know he was he was up and hitting by the time when he's we been recorded up for the majority of the show. season, right? So it's been at least more than half the season. Yeah. Um. So I, I and he was raking in the minors too. So what he's doing looks not that he's going to have you know put up MVP caliber numbers the whole year, but hitting very well looks sustainable for him. There's Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, they've got. Spencer Steer, who's another name that I've that's the one I was forgetting before too. Steer, yeah, getting like two seventy something, got eleven home runs. You know, that's a pace of like, I guess he he's yeah. Well, he's been up the whole year, so that's a pace of about twenty three. Uh, you know, in his first full MLB season, they got him in the the Tyler Tyler Malley trade. I hope oh. I'm pronouncing that name right. From the Twins, they also got uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand, yes. who's hitting like three sixty in the minors. Uh, but they they haven't called him up because of, they, and they haven't no called up Noel V Marte either. No, they actually just put him in AAA. I think it's today. A, yeah. Well, I mean, not to the majors. Yeah. But right. So they so they're starting to move him up. But it, what I was thinking is, okay, like you're going to have a little bit of a log jam. You know, it, because it's, what do you do with Jonathan India? Right. So it, yeah, it's a really good problem to have, and yeah. that's what I was thinking last time we talked about this, but. You know, when you think it's a really good problem to have, you're like, all right, well, they'll sort it out. You know, somebody will get hurt. Somebody will, something, somebody will struggle. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's, it actually seems like it's starting to bubble up now because you've got everybody's calling for uh, Encarnacion Strand to come up. And it's like, where would you put him? So, you know, you start thinking, well, they need pitching. Could they trade Noel V. Marte for a top pitcher? And then you start to think, wait a minute. They had a top pitcher, and that's who they got Noel V. Marte for. And that was Luis Castillo. That's how quickly this whole operation has turned around in Cincinnati. That a year ago, it was like, well, you know, we have to trade this top pitcher because we're not going to win with him. It's not our window to win yet. And we'll get a good, uh, you know, 20 year old prospect in return. And all of a sudden it's flipped, and you're like, well, maybe they should trade him to get a pitcher and win now. And it's funny what you say, too, because I, I believe you tweeted this the other day as well. Where you say there's always that one team, that one fun young team that always has that one guy on the pitching staff that absolutely does not belong. And that's obviously Luke Weaver. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, how did he? Yep. There's always that one veteran that never really does well that always finds himself on a team that, and then you just look at him and you're like, what is he doing here? I mean, I'm pretty sure his numbers are like extremely pedestrian, if not her- borderline horrendous. I think they're like borderline horrendous. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up because I, I wanted to before we yeah. started because I wanted to mention Luke Weaver and how like <laughs> but you look at the roster out, like, and it's, like, it's just like, like he's winning a participation yeah. trophy. Like, like I'm not in the business of of calling out random guys, but you know, like when when you when you mention like the random guy oh, who's been oh, around no. forever on a contending team, 
one person that comes to mind for me right now is Zach Davies, who has like a nine ERA on the Diamondbacks. But at least he's somebody who's been decent in his career. Like Luke yeah. Weaver has never been good. And I'll, you have to I'll wonder, give it to like, you right now. Like, is there not somebody on the street you could just bring up, like, you know, put in sign from wherever and just put him in your rotation? If are you that desperate? So he I mean, Luke Weaver proved you wrong one year. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in uh 2019, he went uh, four and three with a, a two nine four ERA in sixty in sixty four innings. But, He's still riding off of that. But other than that, we're looking at uh, last year. Well, last year he was hurt most of the year, so let's not count that. This year so far he's 1-2, and two, but he's got a 6.86 ERA in 61 innings with a 1.59 whip, which is great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but his worst year, well, I mean, he's been really hurt, like a lot. Like, he's only made, this is crazy, he's only made more than, what does that say? He's only made more than 13 starts in his in a season one time, and he's been pitching since 2016. Yeah, I remember he was uh, he was a big get for the for the Diamondbacks when they yeah. traded uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Him oh, and Carson Kelly. I mean, just oh, that's so bad because then you think back even further to when the Diamondbacks traded Dansby Swanson for Shelby Miller, <laughs> and somehow Dan, Dan, we've been over this before, but I didn't even realize it. Somehow Shelby Miller is still in the MLB. Yeah, he's with the Dodgers, right? Isn't yeah. he like? Yeah, oh, really? you know he was. I know he was in their bullpen. I forget. I mean, he's got like a forty-eight ERA, but he's yeah. still pitching. Which, and it, that it's one, horrible. no, that one shocked me. That when I when I yeah. heard, because listen, I follow baseball pretty closely. I I know who these guys are. Some, but sometimes relievers, if guys are coming out of the bullpen, they go under the radar. The fact that Shelby Miller kept is still getting chances in twenty twenty three was another thing that kind of stunned me. And you you know you almost wonder like. Well, maybe I should trust the Dodgers because they they seem to get these things right a lot. But I don't know. Like I, their bullpen's actually been pretty terrible this year, so I don't know if I have to give them that benefit of the doubt. But you I, know, I mean, with the Diamondbacks, it it actually was. He's very lucky. Mike Hazen, who's the GM right now, he made that move for Shelby Miller, and he made the Paul Colchman trade. And he's still not only does he still have a job, but he's actually doing it pretty well now because the Diamondbacks, you know, we we've talked about them. They're a lot of fun. I want to give, I want to call a quick timeout real quick. <laughs> I want to give both of us an extensive amount of credit. I know it's still technically early in the season, but we both sat here before the season started and said this Diamondbacks team just has something about it that they could surprise a lot of people. Yes, we, we said that before yes. the first game was even played. And I mean, we knew that, you know, they were the pitch, the starting pitching was going to be pretty decent. You know, you got Zach Allen, who's one of the best. Merrill Kelly is still having a good season, too, right? Yep. So they got good pitching for the most part. Their bullpen was eh. But like, I mean, Corbin Carroll has been like one of the biggest catalysts early on in someone's career I've seen. I mean, he's playing like an MVP already. I mean, people were criticizing that eight year, $111 million deal before he even really played ball but now we see that he's that's an absolute bargain at this point but they're playing exciting ball I mean obviously exciting baseball in a division where they probably shouldn't be winning where you have the Giants you know you have the Padres who are big spenders the Dodgers obviously aren't afraid to spend they shouldn't be leading the NL West right now and that masks some of the stinky trades that he's made 
over the past few years. No, exactly. I mean, they've, they've still got, you know, they're another one of those teams that has some work to do because the, after uh, Zach Gallon, Merrill Kelly, it gets a little rough. Like I, yeah. I said before, Zach Davies is like a nine ERA and they keep running him out there. At least they yeah, got well, rid of his nine ERA was better than Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, so I was going to say, at least they got rid of him. You know, at least that was a move. They, they made, they swallowed the money and they, they made that move that they needed to. But they've, they've got to get, go out and get a starter. But yeah, he no, was the time of cookies out there every single start. It was like, Every time you saw a Madison Bumgarner stat line, it was like it, it was like three and three and the third innings pitch, nine hits, seven runs, and you're like, God, what is this guy's ERA? It's like horrible. I remember they, uh, and this is a team that gave a chance to Dallas Keuchel last year after oh. he was cut loose by the White Sox. Who, by the way, I think he just signed with somebody else too. Uh, you know, he's what? he should like, do himself a favor and just stop. <laughs> but he's gotten like three chances since he was cut by the White Sox last year. Bumgarner's gotten none. That tells you how how you know, I guess washed up. We'll say we'll say it politely. Yeah, 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 I mean, but but he's been like this since he signed that contract. Yeah, but yeah, but it got it got worse. It I mean, got, like, no. The, like oh no, it year. got it got Tyler. It, it got what's um Tyler? It got Patrick. <laughs> where did I get Tyler from? It got Patrick Corbin bad for a while there. Tyler yes. Corbin, <laughs> and and they, they even put out there, somebody had an article out there, and you you never see this about like players where they had like multiple anonymous like executives and scouts completely ripping apart on Garner where they're like, he uh, refuses to adjust anything he's doing. And he's, he's the worst pitcher in baseball and all this. Yeah. This is right after he got designated for assignment. So if any of that's true, if, if MLB GMs and execs really believe that, well, that's, that would be why he's still unsigned. Wait, you know, what's like super funny to me too. Like, I, I think it was, I think it was Jock Peter was, I think it was Jock Peterson when he was still playing on the, San Francisco Giants and and Peterson hit like an absolute nuke off of him and then like he got mad that like yeah. Peterson hit the home run and the best comeback was well you know it, it was I, it was two comebacks it was make a better pitch and you can go get the ball out of the water that was like to, that was and I mean great comebacks but like that just proves to like the type of person see like that those reports make total sense when you see Bumgarner like staring down Joe West and like Joe West is the Madison Bumgarner of umpires. So like, you know, you know that would have been I'm I'm sure that if no one made a move, we'd still be sitting here right now with that that standoff between Joe West and Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. Like when you know the type of personality, you know that he's like a real stick in the mud guy. He lives in the sticks of like West Virginia and all that kind of stuff like uh, he's just an oddball, and I don't think I think this is the last time we'll ever see Madison Bumgarner in the MLB. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I mean, but back, in this sport, you got to adjust. Like, it, yeah, and I know exactly. I know you could say that for every sport, but like if you, if you're a for example, if you're a hitter, I know he's not a hitter, but if you're a hitter, well, like, he's a good I mean, hitter actually. <laughs> actually, he you know he is a good hitter. Maybe maybe that could be his second career in, in baseball. But no, I mean, you have to if you're a hitter, you could be you can set the world on fire for the first two months and then you have, you, so they figure you out and you go in a deep slump and then you have to adjust again. You have to constantly adjust. It's no different for pitchers. In fact, it may even be more true for pitchers when they get older. Sabathia. Just, and Justin Verlander who, yeah. you know, started one year, put up like a four something ERA with the Tigers. And then he just adjusted a little bit. He figured out that he's not the same pitcher. He well, used he to went be. to Houston and then they gave him something to probably, but even in Detroit, no, no. But in 2016, <laughs> the year before he got traded, I don't know if you remember this in 2016, that was the year, Kate Upton went on like a Twitter rant about how he finished second in the Cy Young race to Rick. Oh, Porcello. he finished. 
<laughs> second in the Cy Young race to Rick Porcello. He got more first place votes actually. So he reinvented himself a little bit. And then the, the Tigers had made a terrible trade. Has there ever been a, a more random Cy Young award win than Rick Porcello? Rick Porcello? Yeah, that was one of the best. And it was maybe, one year maybe after. R. A. Dickey might be the other one. Yes. But like, yeah, R. A. Dickey. And Bartolo Colon, before he, speaking of pitchers who reinvented themselves, yeah. Bartolo Colon was basically like out of baseball in 2011. Uh, and he would have gone down as one of the strangest Cy Young winners with, in 05 with the Angels. But then he actually turned into, obviously, the Bartolo we all the know. The greatest about player of all time. And not only <laughs> that, like, like you know what was funny? Because I remember, you remember, obviously, too, that two-year span where Bartolo pitched for the Yankees. Yep. And every time Bartolo went out there, he knew you knew what he was throwing. He was throwing a two seam fastball 98% of the time and then maybe a changeup. And he would get out. And it's like <laughs> it was it was just so funny that like he literally was the epitome of here it is, hit it. And people just couldn't do it. Yep. And he did that for he carried that on for another what, like four years after that? Yeah, because then he went to Oakland. And honestly, yeah. I don't even think it was actually the Yankees are the one that like saved his career because I think yeah. we gave him a minor league contract. I'm and then he up. ended up in the rotation the whole year. And then the A's said, well, let's give you like a two-year deal. And he turned into like an all-star. I don't know if he actually was an all-star, but he somebody who was getting like down-ballot Cy Young votes with the A's because that's when the A's, you know, had that ability to turn no- nobody into somebody. Let's uh, see. And that, God that, damn, he had almost 250 wins in his career. He, he was around for a long time. No, but the um, Yankees rescued him. I, I distinctly remember they the signed Bartolo Colon and Freddie Garcia. To you know like what the him. funny part is too? Like he wasn't really that great with the Yankees. Like he was he was eight and ten with a four even ERA. So like yeah. good, but like not great. And then, but look, I, he didn't. So he didn't pitch the year before in the majors. No, dude. So Twenty thirteen. You're right. He was an All Star two years. Twenty. Oh my god. Twenty thirteen. He turned in an eighteen and six year with a two sixty five ERA. <laughs> and he finished. He finished sixth in Cy Young voting with the. That with is the sick. And that, then twenty sixteen was where he fell off the face of the yeah. earth. Uh, well, no, twenty sixteen. He was an all star. Twenty seventeen. The, the next year after that, I can't yeah. read. Uh, <laughs> brief, brief story about Bartolo Colon. It's a running joke in my fantasy baseball league because I was in the championship at the end of 2016, uh, two-week you know, two week championship round. I was picking up pitchers, trying to get some points. And so I picked up uh, Bartolo Colon against the Marlins the day after Jose Fernandez died. And I thought, you know, well, they're all they're – all, Bartolo's had to be a pretty good year. They're all going to be completely out of whack. Um, well, no, I underestimated – like I underestimated, like – you know, the D Gordon home run and all that. And Bartolo had like negative 13 points or something like that. Uh, and picking him up that year, I'm pretty sure that that lost me my, the fantasy baseball league. Uh, <laughs> well, I also had Jose Fernandez. So him not getting another start lost me too. Uh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry that Jose Fernandez passed away and couldn't, and, and could, and could have won you your fantasy league. Well, and Bartolo Damn it, there are things that are more important. And Bartolo Colon was serving up complete meatballs in a year. He was an all-star to the to the Marlins in that game. Well, you, you know, know what, trying to man, maybe he century. felt bad and he had a heart. That's <laughs> what I think he did, and I think it was my mistake for thinking that he would actually. I mean, listen, win. listen, D. Gordon had like four hundred at bats that year without a home run, and it just so happens that there Bartolo Colon, who serves up cookies, he serves up. I'm telling you, sometimes those two seam fastballs that he threw used to run 
right over the heart of the plate. <laughs> D. Gordon was the first one to figure it out. You know, D. Gordon set the tone for everybody because, like you said, the next year he had like a seven ERA. Yeah, he was horrible, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I still between... think I'm still holding out hope that one day we will see Bartolo Colon in an MLB uniform again. Well, he just turned 50. That might be a, might be a tough. Okay, Jamie Moyer was 49. Listen, <laughs> Jamie Moyer pitched a complete game shutout in his aged 49 season. Anything is possible. You know what? I was I was writing something today um, about about Paul Skeens, who's the LSU pitcher, who's either going to go first or second in the draft. <sighs> so good. Not not related to him, although we can talk about him. The top two uh, pitch counts this year in base in a single start in in Major League Baseball. Are by Rich Hill and Justin Verlander. They're both forty, both wow. well over forty years old. Rich Hill, one hundred and nineteen pitches at forty three years old. Nobody has beaten that this year. And Verlander came closest at one seventeen. After he spent the first month on the IL, they still Buck Showalter still let him throw one seventeen. Yeah, so and these that's why the Mets are in the situation that they're in. So, so <laughs> yes, it is. But maybe Bartolo can go out and throw. I mean, if Verlander, if Rich Hill could do one hundred and nineteen, maybe Bartolo could give a seventy five. I, I honestly think if Rich Hill can get to 119, Bartolo could throw 200 pitches. <laughs> you know, don't you always you know see what, Especially so? because he, you know how, how Rich Hill throws that big loopy curveball? Yeah. Bartolo don't have that. It's straight fastballs. So don't maybe don't you, you can usually, get to You always see. I mean, I don't know if you follow Bartolo Colon anywhere, but he's always posting videos of himself yeah. pitching somewhere. Yeah. He's always throwing the ball. So you know the arm's got something in it, but. He, does the body have? He must. Like, does he have? The, Do you see that have, figure? Do you see that physique? Of course, he, he can play in to give to give you a hundred pitches. I mean, listen. If Daniel Vogelbach can play baseball, so can Bartolo Colon. <laughs> Daniel Vogelbach looks like he's one sunflower seed away from just imploding, like the submarine. Oh my god, it was too early for that. But <laughs> no, you have to wait seven years to, to to just like I did with Jose Fernandez. Yeah, that was good. I mean, you timed that perfectly. Mine was a little premature, but dude. I know you you mentioned him, and I was just thinking about him like 10 minutes ago. But that dude is on another – I mean, like that whole LSU team is just like full of like first-round talent. Oh, yeah. Oh, Dylan Cruz, right? That's the dude that's yep. like uh, – I don't really follow – I mean, like I usually – I watch like um, videos per- periodically over the course of the year to see how like the first round might shape up. And and to see like what the top prospects are, but I don't really like if it's on TV, I'll turn it on and I'll watch it. But like I, I don't religiously follow it. But I saw that the the scoreline was egregious the other day, it was twenty twenty four to twenty four to four. Jesus, it looks like an Angels and Rockies game. Oh, yeah, but uh, I I usually I mean I, I don't really follow college baseball during the regular season. It, it's usually just when we get to the College World Series, and because I've been writing more about it. I've gotten a chance to watch it a little more religiously than I ever have. Uh, but this year is like, it's a, it's a unique college world series because it's loaded with that MLB talent. Like if you look at the top of the draft, it's almost definitely going to be either Paul Skeens or Dylan Cruz. And then, you know, and then whoever's left. Subsequently, yeah, the- and then Wyatt Langford, who's a, a Florida, Florida, I believe is an outfielder. Yes. He went five for five in that 24 run game. So all these stars are still in it. And then, a potential number one pick next year, uh, pitch for Florida tonight. And he has 34 home runs this year. And then um, LSU and Wake Forest in their in their decisive semifinal game were, were scoreless into the into the 11th inning. 
the pitcher for Wake Forest, Rhett Louder, he's probably going to be yeah. a top 10 pick next month. I was going to say, dude, there's like four starting pitchers on Wake Forest that could be like top 10 yeah. picks. No, so this whole College World Series is like unusually loaded with this MLB draft talent. I think that's one reason it's getting a lot of attention. Um, don't but yeah, don't so, you love that though? Like I love that. That like yeah, no, this is something – I mean over the last few years, like we've seen a little bit more coverage on it and stuff. But like I feel like this year is like – a pivotal like potential turning point for like for like the MOB to capitalize on draft prospects like the and I mean listen yes. in America the NFL is king and no one will ever dethrone the NFL they turn everything into a spectacle they turn the the schedule into a spectacle free agency I mean and but it's 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 fantastic business it would be nice to see see like in my opinion the NBA dropped the ball with Victor Wenbanyama being number one overall, they could have built that into something much bigger. And because someone brought up something that was really interesting to me, and I mean, obviously this would never happen and this would cause absolute chaos, but they said instead of having the NBA draft lottery like six weeks before, they should have it 15 minutes before the draft happens. I I saw that tweet, but people would be a little upset because you would have no trades. You would have none of that. Yeah. and you know, from a reality standpoint, yeah, it would be it would it would not really be fair to anybody. I mean that but, it, it yes, would. I mean the, the the draft lottery, in my opinion, is is ridiculous to begin with. But uh, I, I just think it's funny that like they kind of it was like this is supposed to be like a generational guy. You know what I mean? Like I mean, look, this you know is what, probably though, the I, most. I thought I thought kind of similar, but apparently the the draft did really solid ratings like tv ratings. yeah i did see that but i'm which, saying they could, i mean they obviously could have yeah. done better right which but it surprised me too because that game that uh the wake forest lsu game which was like billed as i know i know the nba fans don't necessarily always cross over with college baseball but but there's a there's a small bit of crossover that can make a difference and i was surprised especially because that game was billed as like the game of the year with the the two paul schemes and rhett louder you know the two aces pitching yeah it still apparently did did pretty solid ratings so you know, I mean, here's what here's what the NBA did right. They had that game in, in October where they yeah. had Wembenyama face uh, Scoot Henderson, and that was mm. back when actually they were they were saying either one of them could be the number one pick. They had uh, his French team play Scoot Henderson in the G League, uh, that G League Ignite team. If they didn't do that, I think it would have been a. a I think the, this the hype around this draft would have been even worse, much different. That yeah. that seemed like it really got everything in motion, not just for Victor Wembanyama, but for Scoot too. Um, and then I think it also helped the NBA, just because I'm going to be honest here, that Brandon Miller, who was the number two pick, had the gun thing because yeah. there's a lot of – there's a huge disconnect. We've talked about this before. Well, we've, we've at least swiped at it a little bit. There's a big disconnect between NBA fans and college basketball fans. They actually don't overlap a ton, even yeah. though – there are plenty who like both. I love both, but well, it's like it's like NFL and college football. Right. There's a ton of guys that except love I think there's an even bigger gap. I think yeah. I think there's an even bigger. There's like, a lot of NBA fans have like animosity toward college basketball. Which I don't understand because I don't get it. I, they're they're very different, but I still like them both. Either way, I think a lot of people found out who Brandon Miller was because of this gun thing. Uh, so I no, think they found out who Brandon Miller was because of all sports news. Dan, come on. Thank you. Well, but would he have made it on there if not for the gun? Do your own promotion for you? Unbelievable. (laughs) Would would he have made it on there if not for the gun thing? I posted like three times about the gun thing. Um, But no, I I think I do think that that game that they put together 
with Wembenyama and Scoot Henderson because you know let's be honest it wasn't like they decided on their own we know the NBA <laughs> oh it just so happened yeah. to be we just but, scheduled this random French team um but, I think the NBA nailed it with that so I think that's a model for the future because you know how yeah. many you know how many guys come from Europe now I mean every year there's like a super prospect from Europe yeah. they got to do something like that every year but see like what what like kind of sucks about it is this was the most in and I'm talking about all sports all sports news this is the this was the most predictable number one overall pick in any major sport since probably Andrew Luck yeah. in 2012 yep. like this was like everyone kind of knew it was literally like Bleacher Report and ESPN was like the Spurs win the right to draft Wen Benyama and it's like Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. that that that's what was on I, the line. I think like, I put that in my headline too, and I've only done that one did. other time, yeah. which was for Zion Williamson. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah. I, I guess you could say Zion. Yeah, too, right? I mean, yeah, I guess so. But but you, you get what I'm saying. It's like I feel like they could have built it, like built it up a little bit more because he's supposed to be this generational guy, and it kind of felt more like a huh than like a huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It was like, oh, this guy's gonna get drafted number one. I just feel like there, there could have been a little bit more done because, like, we laugh at the NFL and we, you know, like, oh, Roger Goodell sucks, and I mean, you know, all the executives are you know ridiculous and all that. But damn it, the hell, man, they they know how to build something. Yeah, no, they know how to build. You can't argue something. with honestly, like people who people who boo Roger Goodell now are just doing it for fun. I mean, I, I think it's hilarious that he because, finds it funny too. Because like when people started booing David Stern, like they had legitimate reasons, <laughs> you know, in the NBA. But like and Roger <laughs> Goodell I understood too because listen, he he messed up a lot with that the all the domestic violence stuff and yeah. the two game suspension in 2014 uh, and the lockout and all that. But you you can't argue with the results. I mean, we sit here, like we sat here and talked about the schedule release, like it was this big thing. You, they had, they have, they have one hundred and fifty thousand people showing up to the draft every year. I mean, mm-hmm. like the NFL has figured out how to how to how to run a league. Yeah, um, exactly. But Wembenyama and every every type every Wembenyama type that comes around is a reminder of what David Stern did with the NBA because he was the one that turned them global. He made that a global thing, and uh, and before they were just coming from you know they were either. There was the occasional Hakeem Olajuwon, who you know was originally from Africa, but it was not a global game basketball. And he turned it; in, he paved the way for uh, the Giannis's and the Jokic and the Embiid's of the world, and um, and Wembenyama and Luka Doncic and all those guys. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if there was really a point to be made there, other than David David Stern probably deserves a lot of uh, posthumous credit. Uh, for for making the game so global because he's the reason why you know especially in the wake of Jokic winning you know leading the Nuggets to a championship mm-hmm. and Giannis two years ago and f- there being five international MVPs in a row uh, you're really seeing the mark he's made on the game. I'm not a not a big fan of Adam Silver, but and and you know for some of the reasons you're describing too, where there there are just some missed opportunities. But um, yeah, part of the I- reason part of the reason for what you feel though with Wembenyama is he is from Europe. And they got to figure out a way to promote those guys, you know, the same way you could do over here. Like, it's not as simple as, like, putting every Duke game on ESPN so everybody can watch Zion Williamson, you know, where he's, like, just bullying everybody on the court because he's bigger and stronger than everybody. You know, so they've got to find more creative ways to to promote those guys. It's the same, you know, the same reason why nobody 
everybody booed Porzingis because they they can't really they didn't know how to promote the European Pingus, guys. Pingus. <laughs> the same reason why people didn't really believe in Luka Doncic until he stepped on the court because they didn't do a great job of promoting guys like him. But when you see, you know, Giannis and Jokic win championships, not just MVPs, but when you see them actually running the league themselves, that's probably how this stuff changes. I think that's why you see nobody's really doubting Wembenyama. I've seen a few people joke that, like, he's basically uh, like Bull Bull, you know, mm-hmm. that he's got a similar skill set. I did set. see I, that. Someone I've was seen like, some of that. Someone was like, legitimate question, what does Wembenyama do that Bull Bull does? And I'm like, and a lot of people were like, uh, get drafted in the first round. And he's like three inches taller and he can actually, you know, have an offensive game. Anyway, aside from that, I, I think I, – let me remind you that we got here by starting with the Cincinnati Reds. and we I know. Really is, I, I was thinking about that before. Unbelievable. But I, 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 I'm going to say that uh, I think – I think the reason why Wembenyama has actually been getting a lot of respect from NBA fans, and I truly do think a lot of people, like there's very few people calling him, predicting that he's going to be a bust, whereas like a few years ago, everybody would have been trying to say he's a bust. I think it's because of guys like Jokic and Giannis, like winning winning the finals and running the league. Uh, you know, Jokic becoming the most dominant player in the league. I think we've officially crossed over where people are no longer doubting every European prospect that comes into oh, the that league. was for a long time that was the case. Right. And, you know, I mean, I was at the draft in 2015 when everybody hated Porzingis, and for no reason. Um, I, I understood why they hated him after he requested a trade, but but at the time, there was no reason to hate him. And nobody – there were a lot of people that didn't believe in Luka Doncic. And um, I think another thing, too, is that a lot of these guys don't put up big numbers because – when they play in Europe, they're like playing against a bunch of 30 year olds at like 19. So, yeah. um, though Doncic was different, I think Doncic won an MVP in his league, and yeah, Wembenyama you know, averaged like 20. You know how 20. it is. You know how these, it's, and I hate to say it, I really do, but it's that older generation of fans that look at someone when they're watching the draft on ESPN or whatever it may be, they see the stats pop up across the bottom of the screen, and they go, Oh, this this guy can't average more than fifteen points a game. This guy sucks, and it's like there's so much more. And it's not even basketball; it's everything else. I mean, yeah. it, it it football too. Like my 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 favorite comparison is Adafe Owa on yeah. Baltimore, where he didn't have a single sack in his collegiate career, and everyone was like, "That's a ridiculous pick." But you know, okay, so that's a ridiculous pick. You clearly know more than a professional scout, right? Like, there's obviously something there. It's so funny that, like, and it is. It's the older generation of people that just look at the the screen. They look at the stats. They look at PPG, RPG, APG, and they're like, "Wow, that guy can't average. That guy can't average a triple double in Spain." It's like he must suck. It's like, come on, get over yourself. What are, what are we doing here? Yeah, like the, these are like the eighteen year olds playing against full grown yeah, adults, and the only reason they are men, like, and the only reason they are playing against them is because they're that good. Most guys don't actually get there. Um, but no, well, like what, what you? I got a comment. They, well, first of all, I got a few comments saying the exact same thing on a couple of draft posts. Um, like Derek Lively, who played for Duke, averaged like five and five last year, but he was like hurt half the year, and he's being drafted for his defense. You know, it's not the same, not the same thing. Yeah, what about, what's his or, name, Bilal? Yes, or, yep, or the guy who played with, with Wembenyama. Yeah. Like, okay, he's not Wemby. Like, he's not putting up those numbers. Uh, but he's also, like, he's, like, the youngest guy there. He's born in, like, I forget what it was, like, July 2004. Like, oh of course he's not going to put up big numbers playing against 32-year-old so men. Um, <laughs> but, no, I got – but it reminded me too of like a, a comment I got when I posted about and don't laugh, but about the Orioles getting Aaron Hicks, 
because I, you know, I, in the, in the post I'm explaining like, well, he's been pretty terrible, but you know, here's this and that. And so there's that silver lining and, and the Orioles need this. And people are like, wow, you're doing a lot of work for Aaron Hicks in the caption. I'm like, like, obviously there's a reason they signed him. Like we know he yeah. hasn't hit well. We understand, but, but there's a, this team that by the way, keeps making a lot of smart decisions signed him for a reason i'm telling you what the upside that they see yeah i love when people i love because now i mean now knowing you and knowing how you are <laughs> and knowing how you'll like uh, you know address these comments most of the time like i read every post i read every comment except for the ones that it's like you know free sex here <laughs> you know like except for those but the, the bot comments yeah but I think it's so funny. Like all you're doing is reporting like what happened. Like you're not like, you're not going like, Oh my God, this is the greatest signing of all time. You're just going, or you'll sign Aaron Hicks. And they're like, Oh, are you defending the guy? Like, <laughs> like, no, I'm just telling you that he signed. Like, don't like, shut up. I mean, I listen, you are a better man than I, because I would, <laughs> I probably would have been thrown off of Instagram already. If I, if I had a platform as big as yours and those people commenting those things, uh, yeah, th this person said that I was trying to gas him up in the description. I said they didn't sign him because he – this is my comment. They didn't sign him because he hit below 200 this season. They signed him because he's shown an ability to get on base and they need a body on the roster. Like that was half my explanation for why yeah. they signed him. was literally they need a body in the outfield because Cedric Mullins is on the I.L. And he's he's been in the A.L. East. And yeah. even when he was hitting like 200 last year, his on-base percentage wasn't bad. That's it. That's all they want. They They need somebody to play. And he can get on base, and that's it. And and by the way, he's actually been better, of course, than any of us thought. I know he's been fan of course. I mean, like, it's so funny because, like, this was the Yankees' fear with Gary Sanchez, where <laughs> it was like, remember, they were like, "Well, we don't want to let him go because what happens if some other team figures him out?" It's like, all right, so he'll continue to hit one forty-two and have sixty-eight pass balls every single game. Like, dude. It's okay. Just let him go. Like other, like it just happens. There are some teams like just because you're the mighty Yankees, which by the way, we've talked about this, but I hate that mentality. The Yankees are not mighty anymore and they won't be mighty anymore with Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone at the helm. You're telling anyway, me you're not, you're not intimidated when you see Jake Bowers and Willie Calhoun batting back to back in the lineup. And you know what? I'll tell you what, Jake Bowers has been a pleasant surprise. And so yeah. is Billy McKinney. He actually, so, it's, it's always those guys though. And then Josh Donaldson hits like 120. Dude, Dude, Billy McKinney's been on the Yankees like seven different times in his career. I know. Like, I hate, yeah, we we uh, didn't we? I know we didn't we didn't draft him right, but we got him as a prospect. I think I'm for somebody sure we got. I, I'm if I, I'm going to be pretty impressed with myself if I could date myself on this. I'm pretty sure he was part of the Araldus Chapman trade from the Cubs with Glaber Torres and Billy McKinney, where that was some of the return. You know what? I think you're right about that. It, so what year was he drafted? Because I think he was drafted by the A's. And then landed maybe with the Cubs. All right, I'm just what, for Lester? Or is it? No, maybe. But but was he maybe yes. for Lester? Yeah. No, Are it we... was it was the other trade. The Cubs and I uh, know it was. Wait a minute. No, it was the other trade because the John Lester signed with the Cubs after leaving the A's. It That's was right. Jeff Samarja. So I didn't realize he was drafted in 2013. That was my confusion. It was actually a long time ago. Drafted by the A's in 2013, they trade him with Addison Russell. Uh, to the Cubs for Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill. This is on the 4th of July in 2014. It's a little bit before. It's a really out. solid return for Oakland. Jeez, Jason Hamill. It's a Hamill little bit before that. Yeah, Jeff Samarja had the year of his life that year. So they got, they, uh, you know, if, if Addison Russell didn't like. Jason Hamill was solid too. 
Jason, again, two guys like who had the year of their life and they, and they ended up getting Hamill back. He would think he was part of the, uh, he was part of the championship team maybe, or maybe the year before either way. Um, so that he ended up with the Cubs there. And then yes, we got him with Glaber Torres and Adam Warren. We got Adam Warren back for Earl Chapman. And then of course we ended up with Chapman back and now we ended up with McKinney back. So I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty impressed with myself that I pulled that, that off. Was right pretty off good, Cause even I was completely thrown off by that. I'm like, I'm like, who did we trade to the A's? That doesn't sound like it would add up that we would yeah. trade, that we would be trading somebody to the A's. But I mean, and, and you nailed it on the head getting back to it. Like, you got guys on the roster like before. I mean, they had to like plea. Like fans had to like plea with everyone. Like we're going to stop going to games if you keep parading Aaron Hicks out there in the outfield. Like, and then it's the same thing. I mean, Donaldson, he created that whole, that for, by the way, that error was like the second worst, like that whole inside the park, little league home run over the weekend Yeah, was like the, like, no, it wasn't over the weekend, was it? It was it was what Thursday or Friday, whatever it was against Seattle. It was like the worst like thing I've ever seen, except for um when Javier Baez ran back and the first baseman, Will Craig, didn't realize all he had to do was just step on first base <laughs> and then created a whole terrible scenario. <laughs> I, I, I saw something uh well, that, that Dodgers and Giants play that I posted where, where it was a complete mess on both ends, where everybody was running around and nobody knew what was going on. I think on Twitter, somebody was like, can we, okay, okay, can we stop talking about the Pirates play now because of this? And people were like, no, that was still, all he had to do was step on first base. That's still worse. You're not going to live that down anytime soon. That will legitimately, like, that is the biggest like brain fart on a baseball field that you could have. Like. <laughs> And, and I, with all I, due respect, has anybody heard of Will Craig after that? Has he? No, I don't think so. Maybe I don't he think so. I, I listen. I would shoot him to the sun if I was the, Phil, the Philadelphia Pirates. What am I talking about, the Pittsburgh Pirates? And we would never know his name if that didn't happen. So I, sorry about that. That's the only. I mean, when you do something so bad that like I may, I think it was a May game between the Cubs and Pirates. If when that when a May game between the Cubs and Pirates is remembered forever, when you, when you mess up that bad, that that's a bad sign. Dude, it's just it's so bad. But I mean, the Yankees having Donaldson and I'm I mean, Giancarlo Stanton is like the biggest three hundred and twenty five million dollar liability I've ever seen. Like I'm talking like I don't even want because we know that there's an inevitable hot streak coming for Giancarlo Stanton. It happens every year. Yep. He had it at he was an all star last year because he had it at the beginning of the year. And then he fell off the face of the planet in the second half of the year. So now I already know that come August, he's going to have a, a, a stretch of three weeks where he's going to hit 400 and hit 20 home runs because that's just how John Carlos Stanton operates. But I'm, I'm so – like I don't even want to see it. I just want Josh Donaldson to hit 120 for the rest of the season. I want John Carlos Stanton to, to strain his hamstring for the 48th time in his career, and I want to be done with these – like I, I – at this point, you should just eat the money on John Carlos then because the guy is like, it's fastball up and in, slider away, slider away. You get him on three pitches every time if you locate. Like, he just can't hit it. it. I just, like, it's so frustrating to watch. I would rather watch Billy McKinney 100% of the time than John Carlos Stan. And is that a sentence that has ever been muttered in human history? I don't think so. And I honestly thought, like, 
I didn't believe in the way that 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 they built this lineup, and it, really, they didn't build it. They just left it as is from it's last so year. It's so horrible, Dan. It's it's just so, so bad. But but I, I one thing I got wrong was I thought that at least if Stanton could stay healthy, and I know that's that's tough to ask. I thought he could have a resurgent year, and actually, the first week of the year, to my credit, he was he was pretty good. <laughs> And then he got hurt, and and there's like no coming back from. You know, those first five at bats, he hit 400. He had a couple of early home runs there. I was feeling pretty good. No, I thought like he could have one more actually solid, potentially all star caliber year, at least from an offensive standpoint. Um, but I did not like bringing back Anthony Rizzo. I kind of got that wrong too, although he's he hasn't really been that good lately. So he slowed so down, that. and his defense is kind of suffering. But well, Aaron, Aaron Boone said he thinks he's he's not fully healthy, and like that's the concern, though. Like, what a surprise! A Yankee like, isn't. That's fully the thing. Healthy. Like it's it's not like it's it, that just happened by chance. Last year he missed. You see, last year in late twenty twenty one, I think it was last year, he was playing pretty terribly for a while because he because he had a lingering back issue. Like, yeah, you're you're on the older side. What is he like thirty three? I I know that's not old old, but. You know, when you have when you've had back issues and you're 33, uh, these things are going to pop up. It's not exactly a shocker. Um, and then, you know, running it back with Josh Donaldson, I, I can I cannot understand their like blind faith in Josh Donaldson, and I couldn't Josh, understand it coming into this year either. Josh Donaldson, since coming off of the IL, literally has like eight hits, and he came yeah. off the IL like six weeks ago. <laughs> And and because it's the occasional home run, they keep him around. Oh, but six of those eight hits are home runs, so yeah. it's it's okay. It's all right that he's an automatic out. Seventeen out of the twenty at bats throughout the week. It's, and it, and Aaron Boone has he's actually he, Aaron Boone's had some positive moments lately. He actually did pretty well uh, yesterday, yeah. but the decision to pinch hit Donaldson when I think it was an extra innings when they were down four two against the Rangers was terrible. Like that, that is like, how do you still have that much confidence in Josh Donaldson? Now, if it was two outs and you have the runner on the ghost runner on second and you need two runs, I get it because I yeah. will take my chances with, if you need a home run, I'll take my chances with Donaldson over Billy yeah. McKinney. But if you need, honestly, I but don't if know you, about that. <laughs> well, for a home run, I would, but you have nobody out. Because of the ghost runner, you got the tying run at the plate. You have, you know, you can have a, this whole long inning if you want. Well, I guess you can only finish out at three runs because that would win you the game. But all you need, if you get a single, just a single or a walk, you have first and third with nobody out. All of a sudden, you're in amazing position. Why would you pinch hit for Billy McKinney when he's when he's hitting as well as he is? I don't care what his name is. I don't care what his track record is. Yeah, it does, I that can't doesn't understand matter. why you, if if a hit would help you that much. Why you would pinch hit somebody? You pinch hit somebody who's got a what is he batting like one twenty seven Donaldson? It's so bad. So that you know, the, it's the blind faith in guys who are like a hundred years old that I don't understand. And and you know, Yankee fans rightfully say every time every time somebody comes up now, it, I, it's almost to the point where it's going to get annoying. But like Ellie De La Cruz highlight pops up, and Yankee fans are like, God, I wish we had somebody that exciting on our team. But or but like we, Corbin Carroll makes a play, and they're like, Why can't we have somebody that exciting? But the thing, you know, I'll tell you what, Dan. The thing that sucks is uh, this is going to be a very weird comparison, but it works out. We make all we make a ton of weird comparisons. I we say do, but they it. honestly work out. Go so. for it. So the Yankees are like WWE. And the reason I say that is because I don't know how many, I don't know if you follow wrestling, but I, I'm sure you know at least this much. The WWE, every time that they have young, up-and-coming stars, they never truly believe in them, and they wind up signing some old has-been 
to come and main event WrestleMania and just completely discourage the fan base. And I feel like that's what the Yankees have been doing for quite some time. And the one prospect in the past God knows how long that has broken through the cracks and made the opening day roster, they're killing him at the major league level. They need, I've been saying for weeks, for two, three weeks now, I've been saying Anthony Volpe needs to be in AAA. He cannot continue to flounder on the MLB. Like he hits the occasional home run. Oh, he's the first Yankee rookie shortstop since Derek Jeter in 1996 or 95 to have 10 home runs. He's batting 180. Yeah, I've seen striking out 30% of the time. I've seen people say, like, you know, he's going through some some tough times, but he he's on pace for a 2020 season Who as a cares? as a rookie, and it's like okay, but he's not bringing any value at all. At like, all. First of all, you, you're hearing a lot about 30 30 seasons and 2020 seasons because stolen bases are up. That's it. They made the bases bigger. They limited, you know, the, the, the pitch clock helps too. They made the bases bigger. There's bigger reason, more reason to still steal bases. It's no longer crazy to have 20 stolen bases. Okay, yeah. so let's get that out of the way. The home runs are also up a little bit. Not saying everybody's hitting twenty home runs. We know they're not, uh, but but you gotta you gotta bring a little more to the table. And you know, defensively, it's been defensively he started off okay, and it, he's had some rough times lately too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think Yankee fans sometimes jump the gun with like bring up this prospect. Like like last I, year, last year Yankee fans would have had you convinced that Oswald Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera were going to save the season yeah. and win the World Series. It was never happening. But, but I'll tell but, you what. Peraza, I, now, now is the time. Like, how do they keep messing it. this up? Now is the time to call him up. He's hitting like 360 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Just now is the time to take advantage of it. And by the way, you could also follow the same track with Volpe. Peraza came up last year. He didn't hit very well. Started this year in the minors, found himself. You can send down Volpe. What about Aaron Judge himself. in 2016? Yeah, we don't have to give up on Volpe. Show him what Peraza did down there. Even Floreal is hitting like 320 in the minors. Like, Listen, Dan, the whole Esteban Floreal thing will <laughs> never register with me. It will never make sense to me how this man has been a Yankee top prospect for like seven years and they don't give him more than two games at the major league level. Yeah. It, it will never. That's what I'm saying. That's why like Brian Cashman is like Vince McMahon where it's like we have a glimmer of hope. The fans want this. I'm going to go in this direction, and nine times out of ten, it's wrong because we're getting to that point in Brian Cashman's career where he's making far more mistakes than he's making. He's getting these gems. You know what I'm saying? You, I mean, there were there were some years. Don't get me wrong, where he was hitting, or he was hitting on everything. Where we're like, who is this guy? And then he wound up. I mean, Mike Talkman comes to mind. Where it was like, you know, who the hell is Mike Talkman? Mike, Mike Talkman and Gio Urshela were like, were out producing. Uh, that was the that was the year that that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were free agents, and for most of the year they were like outpacing Machado and Harper. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like every once in a while he would he would hit, but it's just been it's been bad, man. And and like I I don't get it. Like I know that the Yankees want the Yankees so desperately want now that they they let's be real. They want a Jeter replacement. They want someone that fans are going to look at as the next Jeter. They're not. The Yankees are an organization that thrive on tradition and history. And it's not, this is the first Anthony Volpe. We need the second coming of Derek Jeter. That's that's what the Yankees thrive on. It's, it's always been, this is the next Jeter. This is the next Ruth. This is the next Garrett. The Yankees just have to let this go. They're, they are the fuddy-duddy franchise. That's what they are. 
I mean, it, it's funny to think, but they are the old fart. They're they're the they're the, they're the wet fart that just like kills like a, a party. It's just like who who sh, who shit their pants? It's the Yankees. <laughs> and you know the one time, the one time that they. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> the one time that they actually didn't do that was after Jeter. They traded for Didi Gregorius, and everybody was like, "Well, who's this? And why are we trading for him?" And then he was booed at the beginning because he was baby. playing poorly defensively, and they let him settle in. And he turned out to be an incredible acquisition, you know, for what they gave up, which was not much. Uh, I think it was like Shane Green. You know, he turned into a great acquisition, but they didn't put those expectations on him. They didn't put expectations on him to be the next cheater. They got somebody who is just a shortstop, you know, a mm-hmm. shortstop that they believe they could turn into something, and they did. Um, and, you know, you'd like to see more of that type of Brian Cashman. And uh, yeah, well, you're right, the gems, it, it, we are past the point where, where the, you know, back when the gems were, were outweighing all the other mistakes because they were making up for some of that. Uh, well, there's there just aren't enough gems anymore. I mean, Billy McKinney, you know, like this. I remember at the beginning of the year, it was Frenchie Cordero, and they were like, "Well, we got our Matt Carpenter this year." It's like, well, it wasn't that simple. I I, I don't consider Billy McKinney a gem because he's been in the Yankee organization, like like we said, like seven different times in his career. So I don't I don't I don't consider Billy McKinney someone that they're like, "Well, we just found this guy." It's like, no, you you've known about Billy McKinney for like ten years now. It's <laughs> but. But you're right, dude. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I don't get the whole, like, don't get me wrong. I was excited as anyone when Anthony Volpe was, was basically named the starting shortstop. It's okay. It, the Yankees are a team that don't want to seem like they fail at something. And, but, yeah. but like you said, this doesn't have to be a failure. He's just struggling. He's 21 years old or 22, whatever it may be. He's got his whole career ahead of him. Don't ruin him now and then just keep parading him out there and he's just going to get worse and worse because the Yankee fans love him. I don't know if you've been to a Yankee game this year, Dan. Not yet. I will I will be going, I will say, next uh, next month in Baltimore, doing that Excellent. again. Oh, so getting, that's basically a Yankee getting game. Camden Yards. But, yes, but, basically, it is basically Yankee. Yeah. Yankee but, fans, yeah. But I've been to a game this year, and when Anth- even when Anthony Volpe is struggling, his name comes over the, you know, the PA system. Fans love him. You don't want to get him to this point where the fans are behind him. Because, like, now even me, someone that was very, like, I was very gung-ho about him. Now I'm starting to be like, all right, like, this guy's got to go down. Like, it's, every time he gets up, I mean, he'll get the occasional double every, like, three games. And I'm like, oh, great. But, but now it's like, all right, dude, like, they, they need to send him down. Something has to be done because you don't want the friend, you don't want the fan base to turn on him at this point and then be like, all right, well, now his confidence is shot. His psyche is all met. Like, I don't think people realize how mental baseball is, but like that, that can screw with you. He's got to get down. He's got to, he's, he's got to go down to AAA. He's got to get his swing back. He's got to stop pressing at the plate and just play his game. That's why he rose through the ranks so fast because there's clearly a abundance of talent. He just needs to relax a little bit and and I think we need to pump the brakes on it. I mean, how how many how long did we hear about Aaron Judge until the Yankees finally brought him up for good? The Yankees did the right thing with Aaron Judge. They kind of let him figure out his kinks. He came up and he hit 54 or whatever, 53 home runs his rookie year. You know? Yeah, I I 100% agree that that 
it's a, they 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 kind of do think they're too big to fail, and they won't admit their their failures. It's been a problem for a while. Well, look it's at how problem. long Gary Sanchez was on the roster. It's and, a, and it's a problem with Josh Donaldson right now too. And and uh, you know, I, I even thought. I even thought IKF just because they were presenting him as a starting shortstop. As a he's actually man, been a, a, a one one of the lone bright spots on right. the, as a utility man. He's fine. Yeah. He can play defense. Apparently, he can pitch he's and hit home runs. First, first, technically, first Yankee pitcher since 1974 to hit a home run. So careful because now he's going to use that as an excuse not to pursue. Oh, Ohtani. so he'll be on the Yankees for the next ten years. Yeah, Cashman's going to say this is why we don't need Otani. Um, <laughs> we have no, IKF. We don't need Otani. Yeah, we've got our we've got our uh, two way star here. No, but they they do think they're too big to fail. And part of me wonders if you know if Brian Cashman is worried that well, if I start getting rid of these guys quickly, it's going to look like a panic move. And if it looks like a panic move, it's going to look like at least to Hal Steinbrenner that something's going wrong here and something needs they to should change. be panicking though. Well, you know, so it's uh, I mean to to close off this Yankees thing, it's going to be an especially interesting end to the season. Listen, I think. I think we can all agree this team's not going anywhere in the postseason. They can get to the postseason. Would I be yeah. surprised if they missed? No, because of how, yeah. how deep the AL is. I mean, you look at this. This, I think the last two games are an example of why I have to say that they probably will make it to the postseason because they do find ways. And part of it is the bullpen. The bullpen is excellent. That's, that's it is. huge. It flies so far under the radar. It's probably the only reason why they're above 500 because they just don't implode in games. They lose some some winnable games, but they. Well, they that's don't. usually when Ron Marinacci. Yeah, they're not doing like but. what the Mets do every day. You know, like what the Mets did yesterday. They don't do that. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why they, they can make the postseason. But you you might be facing an Aaron Judge absence that goes into August or later, and the asked they, they were, we're in a postseason spot by a game. And the Astros are the team that's out right now. We know they're going to start winning a little bit more. And then the Angels are right behind them. And then the Red Man, Sox. I'm not really worried about the Angels. The Red, the Red Sox, <laughs> who we still have to play nine more times or ten more, whatever it is, are, are three games back. Uh, that That's a problem. So I, I don't think it's it's a conclu- foregone conclusion that they make the postseason. But if they do, like, do we really see them? Like, right now, if the season ended today, they go to Baltimore for three games. Are we sure that they would go to Baltimore and win two out of three games? Like I, don't, I, I sound, really don't think so. If anybody said that last year, if, if you heard me saying this last year, it would sound crazy, but probably not. And then if you if you beat the Orioles, they would go to Tampa to play the Rays in the ALDS. Like That's terrible. The the chances of Yankees of the Yankees getting to the ALCS seem really slim. And then just inevitably losing to the Astros again. Right. But I don't even think like it's just it seems far fetched unless the the deadline is like a gigantic win, but you know it doesn't look like it. So it hasn't been for years. It's not going to be this year, right? And then Hal Steinbrenner said uh, he I think he was on the Michael K show recently, and they were like, "Well, you know, what would it take for for major changes? Like what you know, essentially saying Boone and or Cashman without saying it." Uh, he said he 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 made a lot. He left a lot of open doors there, but he was like, "Well." You know, we don't have all of our guys. If our roster is 90% healthy and we don't make the postseason, I'm going to ask serious questions. And then he said, if we make the postseason and our roster is 90% healthy, but we don't go far, I'm going to ask serious questions. Now, he left the door open, which concerns me. Yeah. But, like, he's never opened the door before. I'll, I'll put it that way. Like, if it's 20% open, he's not, it's been zero before. So, I'm, you know, if this team – reaches its most likely end, which is 
either missing the postseason in a very tough American League or flaming out in the wild card series. I mean, do you have to, you know, it's almost like you have to, even if you don't want to fire somebody like Aaron Boone, I mean, something's got to change, right? Because they've gone two years in a row now where they've had to come out and basically make an announcement that Aaron Boone was returning. That's very unusual. If you have to do that three years in a row, I mean, listen, maybe they opt to keep him and they fire Cashman. Maybe, you know, maybe Hal in the back of his mind thinks Cashman could be the problem. I I really don't care which one it is. No, but I do think, I think the door is open now. And I think this team is more likely than past ones to fail in the postseason, especially, you know, we may not, I mean, look, we we all know how valuable Aaron Judge is. They're still under 500 without him. If he's not there for two months, two more months, like, it's just not crazy to say they missed the postseason. Now, I guess he could use that as an excuse and say, well, you know, Judge wasn't healthy, so we, we got to run it back with, with you our can't rely on you know, I, I know that you paid that man, what, $360 million? No, but, but you but, cannot. That's not, see, that's just such a yeah, that's such an excuse. No, oh, well, our best player wasn't healthy, so that's the reason why we flamed out in the wild cards here. No, I, I don't yeah. buy that because there's it, been it plenty of be other true. teams that have lost their best player or yes. close to their best player, and they have gone on really deep playoff runs. Like the Rays have lost two of their top starters from that 13-game win streak they started the season with. They don't care. Nobody notices. They lost. It was Jeffrey Springs, Jeffrey Springs, and Drew Rasmussen, who, of course, they were gems that they found. They allowed like a combined one run in like their first four starts, and they one had Tommy John surgery. The other is not coming back for a while. You barely notice it. Rasmussen's getting the Tommy John, right? Uh, Springs is getting the Tommy John. I think Rasmussen was trying to avoid it. Okay. Um, but but you know but it doesn't matter, right? Uh, you know I think it could hurt them in October. We'll see. Yeah. But in the regular season. No, they they're fine. They they even Glassdale gets healthy. He struggles a little bit. They still win games. Doesn't matter. Um, the Yankees, like these two things, can be true. Aaron Judge can be one of the most valuable players in the sport, unusually valuable, and yet you're the Yankees. You should still be winning with your two hundred plus million dollar payroll. You should still be yeah. successful without him. You need to have a lineup that can actually score runs and not average two runs a game. Uh, without him and that you know that the failure there is on Cashman because we know from we knew from the beginning of the year that if they lost him it was a problem and not just we, a minor we problem that. we yeah. said that it, it was this this team because of the amount of money the Yank the, this is not the George Steinbrenner wheeling and dealing Yankees of the 90s and the early 2000s and I get that it's more of a business now for Hal Steinbrenner than it is George just wanted to win that was it. Right. He, he would throw a blank checkbook at Cashman. Listen, you go out, you get whoever you want. You trade this guy, you get whoever you want. I don't care. I'll pay it. It's a little bit different now. It's, you got to jump through a little bit of uh, hoops. It was it was a little bit diffi- difficult to, to sign Garrett Cole. It was a little difficult to re-sign Aaron Judge. And you had to make some sacrifice. You had to know if you were, we were spending $360 million on Aaron Judge this offseason. We had to know. I was shocked. When they signed Carlos Rodon to that huge contract, I was floored i had i thought that that was it i thought the aaron judge contract and honestly i even i even went out on record and saying that if that was the only move that the yankees made in the offseason it was a win because you had to retain aaron judge at no matter what cost they had to retain him 
the fact that they added Rodon, I know we haven't seen him. A lot of people are already calling him a bust in the Yankee uniform. He's never even put on a Yankee uniform yet, so I don't know how you say that. He's getting closer. He's getting closer. He's doing his re- – he had a really good rehab start. Exactly. So, like, you get him back, you know, there's a little bit more uh, – because, the, the you know, Domingo Herman has given up, like, 15 runs in his last two starts. Severino is either the most dominant pitcher in baseball or he stinks. I mean, I'm still – even though Garrett Cole has been pitching probably the best he's pitched in pinstripe so far – I'm, I still do not 100% trust Garrett Cole. I know that sounds crazy, but I think you kind of feel the same way I do where it's yeah, like, I, mean, in I, I still don't, I, I, I can't see, he can go 22 and four this year with like a, with like a, a 250 ERA. I'm just so nervous about the playoffs with him. I, I don't see him as that true, like lockdown game one guy. Anyway, that's just getting off, off point. But you can't sit there and say, if the Yankees payroll was $100 million less than it is, all right. You know what? Your big hitter, your big time guy, Aaron Judge, is not healthy. I think you can get away. If you have like a middling payroll, if you have like a 15 to 18 ranked payroll, you can get away with saying something like that, even as the Yankees. But, you know, you're, you're, you got this, what, 250 plus, 240 plus million dollar payroll that if Steve Cohen wasn't the, 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 owner of the Mets, you'd definitely be number one. Can you imagine this team at number one? The, the payroll? I mean, number one is much worse right now. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the Mets the Mets are not good. And that would be a great transition. But I think we should save the Mets and the Rockies talk that we had planned for, for our next episode. Because that's something that I kind of hope that the Mets get slightly worse throughout the week. So it just makes that talk you, you know, that you much know better. Something, you know some other disaster is going to happen. Between yeah, exactly. But yeah. but I mean, you can't say that as the number two team. You can't be like, well, our best player was out, so shishi poo poo to the rest of the two. I mean, what is what does Aaron Judge count, account for? Probably what forty million dollars that payroll. Yep. So the other two hundred million dollars is just is, poof, is ah, it's gone. Like yeah, like no, you know, and it, it, it goes back to, to what we've said before. Like you run out of excuses when the Rays have a $75 million payroll and they're, they're consistently, it's not just a fluke. Like yeah. they are consistently better than you. Almost and by the way, that's the highest year. payroll they've had ever. 75 yeah, no, is, is that Wander Franco, that Wander Franco contract is, is starting to kick in. So and then that, that Zach Eflin, uh, the, the biggest, the biggest free agent contract they ever gave out three years, $40 million. Yep. That really put them over the top. <laughs> But I'm I'm looking at like you know they're consistently better than than the Yankees and not yeah. just like as a franchise too not even just on the field like everything is just better run, you know you've got you're fully out of excuses if you can't invest your 200 million uh, in something better than what you have. But I'm yeah. looking at the Yankees schedule; it's actually very favorable coming up. Only one of their next seven, actually only one of their next eight opponents is a postseason team right now, and that's a four game series in New York. Against the Orioles, they play the A's, the Cardinals, the Orioles, the Cubs. Then after the All Star break, the Rockies, Angels, Royals, and Mets. So they they actually do have an opportunity to gain some ground. After that, they've got a they've got a tough stretch. They've got this is uh, late July going into August. Orioles, Rays, Astros, White Sox, Marlins, Braves, Red Sox. Listen, I'll be honest with you. If they don't win six of those eight series, right? That's no. That's I a, mean, because you know. The problem. A's, like the A's, are one thing. You almost have to. It almost feels like a series loss if you lose a game to the A's. It is a series loss if you even lose if a you game win game. two of them. Um, 
But yeah, like you can't like you can't have the Cubs come in and win, and win the series against you or or the Angels. And we know they could because they're not terrible yeah. teams. They're just not in the postseason spot right now. But yeah, it, it's it's going to be it. This is. I feel like this has been one of the most tumultuous seasons for the Yankees organization already. And we're what, like how many games in? Like it's yeah, not even It's that. just mediocrity. I mean, that, yeah. that's what it is. And it's painful. Like for the, the Yankees aren't used to it. You almost wish that they would, you know, go back. I, I mean, listen, they're not going to do it. it. It's July 26th and they're in a postseason spot. But it was refreshing in 2016 but that's when they okay. sold at the trade deadline. Because not one person thought that that team was going to make a run in October. Nobody. And I feel like it's a little similar this year. Like, do we really, really think that in the American League they're going to make some kind of run? It's just—it seems like you're set up for failure. But you know what? If that's what it takes to to bring on big changes, then then let's watch it happen. I, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I said that before, but I don't. I think what I think you're right. I think the next eight series are really going to tell us what exactly is going on with the Yankees organization this this year. What exactly we're going to see. Uh, I, we just have to wait and see. That's at, in the words of Corey Taylor and Slipknot. We just have to wait and see. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you. Well, I, you definitely know that, but I don't. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> but we're back, Dan. That is we're listen. Back. Getting get the the focal point of this of this episode was not anything that we talked about. I mean, the fact that we didn't stop. We went through a really crazy road. We started with the the Cincinnati Reds. We went through the we went through the NBA draft. We went through college baseball. We went through the NFL. We went through the, the I don't even remember what it was before the Yankees, and and we ended with. The, I mean, I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we go down these roads, but I I wouldn't trade it for anything else. And they are some of them aren't even like surface level. Like we're we're sitting here breaking down like why. Why European prospects don't get the same height? We're, we're breaking down Billy McKinney trades from 2016. I mean, that's yeah, if, the, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't get more in, it does not get in more in depth than that. that we now is, know we now know Luke Weaver and Billy and Billy McKinney's full backstory. Yeah. Both <laughs> of them. That's what I'm saying. It's there's three good things that came out of this. It is we're back. Luke Weaver's backstory and Billy McKinney's seven different tenures as a Yankee. I I don't I can't see an episode that gets any better than that. To be honest with you, no. I think we I think we hit everything today. 